When it comes to the delivery of healthcare in New York, one of the most significant but least understood cogs in the machine are the managed long-term care plans, which were created to oversee the delivery of long-term services to New Yorkers who are either chronically ill or disabled and want to remain in their community. To discuss the work of managed long-term care plans in the healthcare landscape today and in the future, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room by Joe Twardy, president of Nascentia Health's health plan, which includes a managed long-term care plan and is a member of the New York State Manage Long-Term Care Plan Coalition. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Joe, when you go to your high school reunion and someone asks, what do you do when you get to talking, how do you explain what a managed long-term care plan is? Do you just try to say it's a you know, specialized health insurance company or a specialized health insurance product? How do you explain it without boring them to death? <laughs> so, healthcare sometimes is boring, but I, I will try to explain managed care. I work for Nesentia Health, which is a provider and a plan. Mm-hmm. So we're actually a large home care provider in central New York, but we're also the second largest upstate managed long-term care plan. We serve 48 counties, everything above the Mid-Hudson. So in terms of what we do as part of the delivery system, I would boil it down to two components to speak about. The first that managed long-term care delivers is clinical coordination in a person-centered way. So what that means is we have an interdisciplinary team, nurses, physicians, social workers, pharmacists, that all get to know the members. We understand the members, what their needs are, and we build person-centered service plans for those members. We become experts at understanding them and understanding how to avoid hospitalizations, how to keep them in the least restrictive setting possible, which is their home. State-sponsored satisfaction surveys show that our members are overwhelmingly consider health plans and the care teams that we provide as excellent. So I'll give you an example of what we do. So we have a root cause team. That team gets together on a daily basis. We look at hospitalizations that occurred. We look at individuals who had falls. We're understanding why did those hospitalizations occur? What services can we put in place to avoid those falls? We look at polypharmacy issues. Now, that doesn't sound very enthralling, but a polypharmacy issue is when you have an individual with 20, 30 medications ordered by a primary care doctor, multiple specialists. How can we best to ensure that That's the right amount of medications. We take out the medications that are causing adverse events, working with those specialists, those doctors, and and talking about that case. What is it that it takes to keep that individual in their home? So you talked about catering services to a person's unique needs, but it seems like the vast majority of services that people end up getting through a managed long-term care plan are home care services. So for either the person who's receiving home care or the provider of care, what is it that an MLTC ads? What's the benefit of the MLTC? Because it seems like in a lot of situations, they're just sort of the middleman in between the state paying for care and that person actually getting care. Sure. At the federal and the state level, managed care has been used and continues to expand and to be used to meet a really important part of the overall healthcare delivery system, which is to ensure access to high quality care. So, In terms of what our plan does is it navigates that system and that network. So, for an example, 
prior to managed long-term care, there were significant gaps in coverage. There were individuals who just, quite frankly, weren't getting the care that they needed. There were uh, significant cost overruns that New York State was really having a difficult time understanding why are the individuals across the state not getting the consistent levels of care. Managed care came in, and we right now are serving across all the plans 280,000 members delivering quality care for them. Navigating all of the state and federal standards in terms of what it takes to ensure that the quality and the provision of that care meets the those standards and also that, again, it's the right care at the right time. Those members don't necessarily know how to access that care. And so a managed care plan allows working, again, on, on, through a nurse, through physicians, allows those members to access that care. That's what managed care does. It seems like New York's emphasis on managed long-term care plans is born out of the Medicaid redesign efforts uh, in Governor Cuomo's uh, first term back in 2011. And you mentioned the idea of addressing cost overruns. So when you look at, say, spending on Medicaid for home care services, have managed long-term care plans been successful in bending the cost curve? Have we seen the amount that we spend on home care decrease while the amount of home care services have either remained constant or increase? So yes, we have seen the amount that we spend in home care decrease from a fee-for-service model while the number of individuals that have been able to gain access to that care increase. But is the top line spending number decreasing? It seems like every year home care and Medicaid money just keep going up, 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 and up. And it's just a question of how much is it going to grow? Sure. Every, every state sets that direction, right? So in some states, that direction is set through limitation of the benefit. But as long as New York State has decided to not have a limited benefit in terms of how much home care that you can receive, and also New York State deems people eligible for home care through managed care plans. As long as those two things are the same, the the input of the total number of members in really is a state policy decision. The managed care plan is helping to rationalize and helping to make sure that that care is delivered again in high quality, that those individuals who are deemed eligible, eligible have access. But New York State sets the policy decision in terms of who is eligible for care. Well, for listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking about the managed long-term care plan industry in New York. And our guest is Joe Twardy, president of Nesentia Health's health plan, which includes a managed long-term care plan. So starting in 2023, I think in the spring of this year, the state began implementing this independent assessor program uh, to determine whether New Yorkers on Medicaid who had not been receiving home care services but were interested in getting them were going to be eligible for them. So I want to get to the actual success of this assessor program and whether it's working or not. But assuming for a second that it does work and that it's uh, great at figuring out who needs what, what does that mean for managed long-term care plans in the home care space? Does that take away one of the major reasons that we have managed long-term care plans? Are they not needed if we have a working independent assessor program? So it's a great question. So the New York independent assessor program ultimately added cost into the system because the managed long-term care plans- I'll let you weigh in on whether it's good or bad, but if it, regardless of how much it costs, does it du- duplicate 
what managed long-term care plans are doing. No. Uh, and why not? So there's one part of, of the equation, which is the assessment. Mm -hmm. What diagnosis do you have? What medications do you have? Another significant part, and actually more critical part, is what are the services that we're going to put in place to make sure that we can take care of those conditions? So managed long-term care plans, we're not relieved of that burden, right? We still go out. We still see those individuals in the home. We're taking the assessment, the New York Independent Assessor. We also have to put eyes on this member. We then have to say, okay, what is the proper amount of services that it takes to care for this person into the home? And so in the past, prior to New York Independent Assessor, we did that in one visit. Now there's two visits, New York Independent Assessor, and then we come in. That ultimately results in what's called a person-centered service plan. That person-centered service plan is the, the guide by which that person will stay healthy in their home, independent, in the least restrictive setting possible, which is what we all want. New York Independent Assessor doesn't do anything on the person-centered service plan. That's always been, remains the plan's responsibility. And for that reason, by them doing that one clinical assessment, which is most typically done telephonically through video conference. And we find that a lot of times it's more of an interview versus a clinical assessment. And so we still have to go in and redo a lot of that assessment work, but then also build that whole person-centered service plan, which has never was never envisioned to be touched through New York Independent Assessor and still remains. And that's why we continue to look for, and we're, we're very glad that it was delayed, but that's why we continue to look for repeal. Yeah, now I'll let you take an ax to the Independent Assessor Program, which the plans as well as uh, advocates for providers were uh, sounding the alarm back before this took effect in the spring about their concerns, and the state has actually even paused the expansion of this program to people who are already receiving uh, home care services and the uh, recertification of, of those needs. Why do you think this uh, Independent Assessor Program uh, isn't working so far? Well, I'll, I'll just restate the fact that it is duplicative, right? The When the program came in, it, it did not take off a burden of the managed long-term care plans. We still have to care manage and provide for that care plan and, and structure that care plan. The second piece is we are highly invested and involved with ensuring that we know what that member's conditions are. Our Nurses get to know those members by name, understanding their concerns, understanding the informal supports that they might have. That drives to that person-centered service plan. What we find is the New York Independent Assessor, which is done through a vendor, is really not that invested. And so we find discrepancies in those assessments. And so for those two reasons, that's why we would look for a repeal of the New York Independent Assessor. And do you find over the past eight or nine months so far that people who should be getting home care services are being denied those services as a result of uh, either the burdensome process the assessor program puts in place or their rulings that people, they decide, don't need these services? You know, we have seen uh, delays. There's been reports of delays across the state in terms of the access to that New York Independent Assessor, especially when those individuals need to be seen in home because so much of that is happening via video conference. And the care, ultimately, from the workers is happening in the home. 
And after a quick break, we'll continue our discussion about the state's managed long-term care plans with our guest, Joe Twardy, president of Nesentia Health's health plan, which includes a managed long-term care plan and is a member of the New York State Managed Long-Term Care Plan Coalition. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about managed long-term care plans, which were created to oversee the delivery of long-term services to New Yorkers who are chronically ill or disabled and want to remain in their community. Our guest is Joe Twardy, president of Nesentia Health's Health Plan, which includes a managed long-term care plan and is a member of New York State's Managed Long-Term Care Plan Coalition. Since the fall of 2022, the minimum wage for home care aides has been scheduled to go up, and it's scheduled to continue to go up in the next couple of years, including 2024. We've heard from providers of services as well as state lawmakers that the planned wage increases aren't ending up necessarily in the pockets of workers with managed long-term care plans, essentially accused of siphoning money off uh, that the state is uh, sending, uh, allegedly with the intention of going to the workers. How do you view the system and the wage increases that have or have not been realized by some workers? We very much believe that this work needs to be highly compensated. Minimum wage is not a good starting point. This is work taking care of individuals who are very vulnerable in their home, and it's taking care of them in a very personal way, toileting, bathing, dressing, things that are really hard work. And to say that, well, you know, we should peg this to close to what you could make if you walk into Home Depot and get a job. You know, we we do not feel like that's, that's accurate. Now, in terms of the resources that are coming into the system, that's set at a state level. New York State, through the legislative process, identifies what those wages would be and then translates that into a capitated payment. I will tell you that in our markets, we're not holding dollars. And to say that dollars are being held by the plans is just categorically, quite frankly, false. I'll give you a quick example. One agency that we work with is serves a very rural part of the state. They're serving in an area where there's one member, one person, not even member, one person per square mile, right? It takes a lot to keep that agency going. If we turned around and said, okay, we're going to pay you the cost structure that the state said, they would take a 25% cut. Recently, we ended up giving them much more than what minimum wage is coming for January. And the reason why we did that is they never call us to say, can we talk about minimum wage? We're paying them rates significantly above minimum wage because it takes so much to try to provide personal care in the rural part of New York. And so ultimately what happens is they they could never pay for a home care worker at the minimum wage level. And so we work with those providers and make sure that there's access to quality care through negotiation process. And so when the dollars are saying, well, there's minimum wage increase that's not passed along, it was passed along and continues to be passed along. 
Well, then let's take, for example, the scheduled increase for January of 2024, when outside of New York State, I believe the rate's supposed to go from $16.20 up to $17.55, a difference of $1.35. So when that happens, do plans then just increase reimbursements a dollar 35 cents an hour is it that simple when you talk about not holding any money back it seems like that's what it would be yeah so some of those providers have received increases throughout the year uh, i'll tell you you know, one of the conversations that i often have is how providers will tell me because of the rates that we're paying they're paying individuals above minimum wage right so when that happens no, it's not as simple as just saying, okay, every single one of these resources get passed along because sometimes it's more than that. Like I just mentioned with that one provider, it's, it's additional to that. You know, in this most recent round, yes, there's going to be in the upstate market much more closer proximity to minimum wage dollars that go out. In New York City, there's a thing called wage parity, which when the New York City minimum wage went up $1.55, wage parity went down $1.55. That put a lot of strain on the system. And so in the, in the New York City market, you're going to find that you know, the dollars aren't necessarily all there. But in the upstate market, again, we're not negotiating or talking to providers about paying minimum wage. We think that this work should be compensated above that. And it's a ongoing, continuous process. We don't think that we should tie all negotiations to minimum wage because ultimately the providers and the members and the home care workers would not be well served. Prior to the last minimum wage increase, our average cost per hour was above what New York State said the cost per hour would be, 2023. Right now, our cost is above per hour what New York State says the cost should be. In January 1st, 2024, the cost will be above what New York State will be. That is the direct pay to those agencies. And that process is managed care. That's a negotiation process along the market. But absolutely, our plan will be paying, on average, above what New York State says the cost for providing this care should be. So I want to return back to the idea of the need for managed long-term care plans and their focus. So when I think of my own commercial insurance, they have an incentive to not cover as much stuff or to deny services so that they can make money, so that they can stay in business and, and turn a profit. How, if at all, is the world of managed long-term care plans ultimately different from that. Is there not an incentive, that same incentive, to find the least expensive options, even when those might not be the, the, the right options for people? Or is there something about the guiding principles of the managed long-term care plans that assures that they're not just about finding the way to make the most money? So at Nesentia Health, we are also a provider and a managed long-term care plan. We're, we're ultimately a not-for-profit organization. So we are very mission-driven. So in terms of ensuring access to quality care and ensuring access and, and also the, the care coordination, ensuring that the members are getting the right services at the right time, no, I would say that we're very much motivated in a different way. You know, you could look at every provider that's out there and say, well, wouldn't their motivation be 
just to maximize their top line. And New York State turns to managed care and says, we had a significant hard time doing this when it was fee-for-service. We struggled to contain costs on a per-member basis. We struggled to ensure that the right amount of members were getting quality care. We struggled with wait times, and they turned to managed care. Managed care, sure, is at a, at a certain level, has to work within the budget constraints, has to work within the, the premium constraints of, of New York State. But as a not-for-profit managed long-term care plan, absolutely, we want to ensure that the greatest amount of dollars goes to the workers because we see it as a provider. We want to ensure that those individuals can lead a life that is not just rewarding work in terms of what they're doing, taking care of individuals, but also work that helps them to maintain a healthy living. So we agree with that, but there's also the inputs of what's coming into the system and how to make sure that that gets moved to the providers and to the workers. And it's not as simple as just saying it's a pass-through. New York State has tried pass-throughs in the past. They've never worked in the past. And providers who typically are on the receiving end of a pass-through fee-for-service end up not liking it because they can't come to us and say, you know what, we're, we're having a difficulty. They can't come to the state and say, we're having a difficulty. We can't find workers in this one part of the state and we need we need some additional resources. They're not having that state, that conversation with the state, but they can have that conversation with managed care, but they get to have that conversation. And also on the inverse side, we need to understand that it's more complex than just, can you pass through the dollars? Well, finally, whether it's the independent assessor program or state lawmakers who are unhappy with the way the minimum wage increases for home care workers have been rolled out so far, it seems like managed long-term care plans are under fire to a certain degree in New York. Given that backdrop, are you bracing for any sort of legislative efforts in 2024 to curtail your authority or to mandate certain operations? And if so, are you beginning to have conversations about what you'd be willing to accommodate or what you think might serve as improvements to the managed long-term care plan system? Or from your perspective, is the status quo perfect and managed long-term care plans are doing their job and everybody else just needs to start acting accordingly? So, I would say that there's always improvement needed in the system at all levels. And and we're happy to look in the mirror and say, how could managed long-term care plans operate in the space to ensure that more individuals have access to high-quality care? So that's absolutely part of a conversation that managed long-term care is, is able to have. I, I've spent 20 years on mostly on the provider side, quite frankly. And what New York State has done in terms of ensuring that individuals can age in their home should be applauded. We are able to keep individuals who really, for any other reason, would be in a nursing home level setting, institutionalized. And we've been able to keep them in the home, in the community-based setting. And that was done in partnership of managed long-term care and the provider community. So sure, we are definitely looking at the next legislative session, but we would point to the success of managed long-term care, success and ultimately 
ensuring greater access to the, the number of New Yorkers who are getting long-term care, the um, cost constraints that managed care just does by the charge, the federal and the state charge of, of ensuring that the cost is efficient because it's a Medicaid program. And we would want to you know, let the legislative leaders know that we're looking to preserve the managed long-term care program. If it needs to be you know, tweaked, there's multiple systems inside of our um, the entire system that, that we can um, have an earnest conversation around to say, how do we build on the success of this program? But it has been successful. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Joe Twardy, the president of Nascentia Health Health Plan. Joe, thanks for visiting us in the studio. Thank you for having me. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.